kicking off a new series. Uh, we're going to read some scripture together, and then I'll let you sit down. We're kicking off a brand new series called Get My Swag Back. Come on, turn to somebody and say, you got swag. You got, you got swag. For some of you, that was easier than others. Like you looked over and go, that's my husband. He ain't got no swag. I, but I'm going to say it anyway. Hey, he needs that. He needs a uh, confidence booster. Uh, so if you have a Bible... Uh, let's go to Romans chapter 8 because the Bible talks about swag. You may not know that. The swag is all over the Bible. Romans chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible on your phone, I'd encourage you to download Version. It's a great version of the Bible, uh, and it'll help you out a lot. I read out of the New Living Translation. And if you are new to church, let me just catch you up to speed so you kind of, kind of sometimes you just jump in. If you're new, you've never been around church, you're just like, oh, this is just like speaking Greek. You have no idea what's going on. So I just want to try to catch up to speed here. Uh, it's been the death and resurrection of Jesus. He's ascended back to heaven. There's this guy named Paul, and he's a religious leader, not a Christian, but he's persecuting the Christians, and he's having them arrested and persecuting them. And then God does this uh, miraculous transformation in his life, and he becomes a Jesus follower. And then he starts, start, he starts all these churches all, all around the world. And so this Paul, he, at this point, Paul, he is with one of his churches. And so he's hanging out at this one church in Corinth and he's thinking about some of these other churches and he's talking to the church in Rome here. And he didn't start the church in Rome, but he had heard about it. So he said, I got to write a letter to them. And Paul was famous for writing lots of letters. And so this is a letter that he wrote to the early church there in the Roman empire. So if you go Romans chapter eight, this is my absolute favorite chapter in the Bible. If you read only one chapter in the Bible, I encourage you to read this one. It is so rich. It's so full. It talks about really what it means to be free, how to get free. It's a great message about, uh, if you ever wonder about the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all right here in chapter 8. Let's read the first couple verses here. Chapter 8, verse 1. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Can I get an amen? Like that should be enough for us today. Right there. Wrap it up. Let's go home. No, I don't think so. All right. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead we follow the spirit. Now let's pray and then I'm gonna let you sit down. Father, we are so grateful for this guy named Paul, how you turned his life around and then how you inspired him, how your Holy Spirit spoke to him. You gave him these words, he wrote this letter and. Here we are 2,000 years later, and we're still reading this letter. And church, I want to ask you just to pray um, that God would speak to you today. If you're not a follower of Jesus, hey, he can speak to you. Just pray. God, um, just I'm not a follower. I, I don't know you, but would you, would you speak to me today? Pray for me as your pastor. Um, I, I want to be so faithful to the, what exactly God wants us to hear today. And then finally, uh, God, we just, um, we intercede and we pray for the, for the defenses of OU and OSU. Um, God, that you would not hold that against us, um, that you would continue to help us to be bowl eligible. Uh, in Jesus' name. And all the uh, pokes and sooner said, 
Amen. All right. You may be seated. Did he just pray for that? Did he just pray for that? Yes, I did. We need some prayer after that, do we not? That, Jesus, help us. Jesus, help us. All right, so we're, we're beginning this new series. Get your swag back. And um, I, I just got to be honest. I, 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 this is, I've been ramping up for this series for about a year now because I'm really excited about the truths that we're going to talk about. I've been wanting to preach this for a while. And, uh, and a few weeks ago, we came up with the title of the series. This is my all-time favorite series title, Get Your Swag Back. I'm like, man, I love the title of the series. And I was really excited about it until I had to pick out the clothes I was going to wear this morning. And I mean, I'm, I'm being honest with you because, I mean, y'all don't have to worry about it because you're sitting there, but every eye is on me. And I was sweating. I must have picked out an outfit three or four times. I mean, the, the woman came out of me, okay? I mean, just I t- tapped into my feminine side, and I was just, I don't think this looks good. This makes me look fat. I mean, I was just, I was on point, ladies. I was so nervous because I ain't got no swag. I Anybody relate to me? You don't have to raise your hand, but come on, anybody relate? Okay, I see some of you nodding. You're like, yeah, I get you. I, I don't have any swag either. I, I don't have any swag. Uh, now, sometimes people will come up to me, and they'll be like, dang, Pastor, you'd be looking good today. And I'm like, that's right, that's right. And I have no idea how I did it. <laughs> I just don't know. Because any swag I have is purely accidental. I, I just, none of it happens on purpose. It's like pulling the swag slots for me, okay? It's like you pull it and you're like, shirt, pants, shoes. Ching, ching, ching. Yes, I did it. I don't know how, but I did it. Every week it's like that for me. I, I just, I, oh, so hard. In fact, last week, this is, I wish this wasn't true, but this is so true. Last week I was walking out of the house and Laura said, hey, hey, hey. You're not wearing those pants, are you? <laughs> I was like, uh, no, I was just going out to the car, and I was uh, going to come back because I didn't want to wrinkle my pants as I was loading the car. And Yeah, of course not. I, and um, what pants will I be wearing today? Because <laughs> I don't know. You know what drives me crazy? It is people that have swag without even trying. You know those people? You're like, really? They like have a Hawaiian shirt on. They've got like a fanny pack, some Crocs, some black socks. And you're like, dude, you look amazing. <laughs> wow. A couple weeks ago, I was at this high-end um, shopping plaza. And this, this dude pulls in in this just sweet import car. And I'm looking at this car. I'm like, man, it's a sweet car. It's this Volvo. He pulls in in this Volvo. And as he gets out of the car... It's like one of those scenes out of a movie. It was like in slow motion, and he begins to step out of his car, and I like heard the Stevie Wonder music playing in the background, like and he just steps out of the out of the car, just uh, just sheer perfection coming out of this vehicle, and I mean he just comes out, and it's like the wind was slowly, you know, blowing the brown curls of his hair back, and. He kind of glances over at me, you know, and his Ray-Bans, you know, catch, catch a glimpse of the sun, bing, off of him. And I'm like, man, that's amazing. He's got this, this Italian suit on that is just like tailor-fit. It's rippling across every muscle of his body. Not that I was looking that close. Not that I was looking that Okay, I was looking that close. I mean, this dude, he was hot. And I mean, I mean, uh, he was looking good. I can say that very confidently as a man. I mean, I was like, I just, I was like, that is just, 
That is not fair. No man has a right to look that amazing. And I, I mean, I was coveting him, and I asked forgiveness by the time he got across the parking lot because I was like, <laughs> it was just crazy. I was just, wow. Was, so here's, you know, I want to I give you some good news today, okay? Some good news is this series, Get, get My Swag Back, is, is not, it's not about cockiness. It is about confidence. And, and, and it has nothing to do with what you're wearing and your outward appearance. Come on, tell somebody right now, whew, that's good news. <laughs> whew, that's some good news right there. Nothing to do with that. Well, this series is really about uh, developing an, an inner confidence. It's about developing a, a Christ confidence. Now, as, as followers of Jesus, I really think we should be the most confident people on the planet, but many times we are the most insecure we shouldn't be insecure, but, but we are, and, and we struggle. So I'd like for you to write this down, and this is kind of what we're going to be the big idea for this in, entire series, okay? And I think if we can get a hold of this, I think it's really going to make a difference for us. Is When I understand how God sees me, it changes how I see me. When, when I understand how, how God sees me, it changes how I see me. So what we're going to do for the next three weeks is we're going to look at these three different truths that tell us how God sees us. And I, I'm excited about these three truths. I want to put them up on the screen, and I want us to, to say these three truths together. Say this with me. I am loved by the Father. I am saved by the Son. And I am guided by the Spirit. These three truths came, I don't know, about a year ago to me, and they just changed my whole perspective. And I, I was so uh, caught up in them, I actually wrote them down, and I, I put them in my daily planner. There's not a day that goes by that I don't look at these three truths and say them out loud to myself. And they have changed my entire perspective, and they have raised my confidence level in a positive way. So if you want to be a confident Christ follower, I would encourage you, write these three, I, just during this series, I would encourage you every day to say these three statements. You're like, these, these, these things, like, I already know that. Do you? Because I thought I did. And then I realized I didn't really know them like I needed to know them. I am loved by the Father. I am saved by the Son. I am guided by the Spirit. Now, so what we're going to do today is we're going to actually start in the middle. We're going to start with number two, I am saved by the Son. Now, I know that messes with some of y'all that your brain doesn't work that way. You're type A, and you're like, you can't do that. you got to start with the first one. I'm linear. I don't know. I've got to leave now. I'm breaking out in hives. I don't know what to do. <laughs> Relax. We're going to get to it. But next week, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna talk about I am loved by the Father next week. And the reason is I, I started to actually prep that sermon. And then I thought about how next Sunday, we're going to be doing Adoption and Foster Care Sunday. We're going to be uh, honoring those who've been adopted and families who have adopted and those who are fostering, those who have been fostered next Sunday. We do this every year. I'm, I'm so pumped about this. It's gonna be, the stage is going to be full of people. We're going to have some organizations here that uh, work with foster 
kids and, and adoption, and it's going to be, it's a great Sunday to come next week. And so I'm holding this for next week because next week I'm going to talk about spiritual adoption, how we have been spiritually adopted, which is also in Romans chapter 8. So I want to hold that till next week. So today I want to talk to you for a few minutes about this. I am saved by the Son. Okay, so tell three people right now, say it with confidence, three people, I am saved by the Son. I am saved by the Son. I am saved by the Son. Let's go back to Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. And it says this, so, everyone say so. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Now, in chapter 8, here's Paul, and he starts with this word so, and what he's doing is he's referencing back to chapter 7. Now, what we also have to understand is, if you didn't know this, is the Bible didn't come with chapters and verses when it was first written. Paul didn't write that that way. He just wrote a letter. So he's referencing something he had said earlier, and we find it in chapter 7. He's talking about this idea of condemnation, and he's, he has this description in chapter 7 that gives us a brilliant, beautiful description of what condemnation is and, and what it really feels like. It's in chapter 7 and verse 18. We'll put it on the screen so you can see it. And this is Paul, and he says this, I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my what? My sinful nature. I, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I, do, I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Does anybody ever live that way? Come on, anybody testify to that? We all have. Have you ever felt that? You're like, man, I just I don't want to do it, and I do it. I, I don't like it, but I do it anyway. And the reason we do that it's because we all have what Paul calls a sinful nature. We're, we're born with it. Like nobody, had, nobody ever had to teach me how to sin. Like I didn't have to go to school to learn how to sin, okay? I mean, it just came naturally for me. I mean, I remember one of my earliest sins. I, I was a, a little boy, and uh, they had this, um, these things called alabaster boxes, and what an, let me explain what an alabaster box was. In the church, they would give out these little boxes, um, kind of like the Samaritans, uh, the, the boxes that we're doing. It's similar to that. But what they do is they hand out these boxes. And the idea was is that you would put change in it all year long. You'd bring it back on Alabaster Sunday a year later. And all of that money would go towards building churches around the world, to starting churches around the world, to helping missionaries. Amazing, amazing thing. And so my parents they had an alabaster box on their dresser full of shiny, wonderful coins. <laughs> Lots of fun coins. And as a young boy, I really liked uh, Topps baseball and football cards, and I loved gum. I loved Hubba Bubba. Hubba Bubba bubble gum was my favorite grape. And I, I just didn't get much of an allowance, and I thought, eh, they wouldn't miss much of it, would they? And so when my parents were, were gone or weren't looking, I would sneak into their be bedroom. I would open up the alabaster box, and, and I, I wouldn't take a lot. I'd just take enough so I could run down to the store and, and get what, don't look at me like that, like, I can't believe he's, he's and he's our pastor. And, and so I would go down, and I would buy it, and I would come back, and, and I would do I had this great scam going because I knew they added more change to it. It's just change. You're never going to notice that, it, that it's gone. Until one day, when I walked in, and I opened up this alabaster box, and there was a note inside. 
And the note simply said this, I see you, God. <laughs> I mean, I was like, oh, oh, oh. I mean, I, I was freaking out. I really thought it was from God. I was like, I didn't know. And I, I never stole another dime from that box. But we all have what Paul calls a sinful nature, and our sinful nature causes us to make poor choices, doesn't it? It causes us to make mistakes, things that, that hurt us and hurt others. Paul, Paul says that we, we know what we're doing it isn't right, but I do it anyway. And then what happens? We, we experience these, these feelings of, of guilt, and we feel ashamed, and, and we come under condemnation. It's like, you're like, I shouldn't do that. I, 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 know I, sh- I, I know I shouldn't do that. Why do I always do, why do I always do that? And I, I don't, I know, it's not good for me, it's not good for anyone around me, and I, but I, I can't stop. And then the guilt comes and the shame comes and the condemnation comes and the self-hatred comes. And man, I just, <laughs> and I'm just nothing. Man, I, if people knew the real me, and what's, what's scary is that quietly and, 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 and secretly, we live with these feelings of guilt and shame and condemnation. And we, our, our family doesn't know, our spouse doesn't know, our kids don't know, our parents, my parents think that I'm just, I'm all that. It doesn't matter that you're 12 or you're, 32, man, my parents think I'm all that, and I'm, man, if they just, uh, hope this does not, uh. and we live with guilt and shame and condemnation, and, 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 and Paul says that condemnation not only makes us feel guilty, but he says that we are, we are found guilty. Back in chapter 7, verse 18, look back at it, he said what? And I know, I know, I'm, I know, I know I'm guilty. I know there's nothing good that lives in me. That, that's my sinful nature. Like Paul admits that I'm guilty. I, I know that I'm guilty, but what I love is in, in chapter eight, he, he points to the hope that we have in Jesus. Come on, amen? We have a hope in Jesus. Every follower of Jesus, repeat after me, amen? amen. Man, we have, we have a hope. Paul says, I, I'm guilty, but man, I have a hope. In Jesus, in others, apart from Jesus, there, there is no hope. You are stuck. You're stuck in your guilt. You're stuck in your condemnation. You, you stand condemned. It, it's like when you're driving, and you ever been driving, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you see the little red lights behind you, and you're like, oh. There's no better feeling than when they go around you, is there? You're like, ha And you see them go and pull over the person in front of you. Ha-ha! I mean, it's like, oh, I'm a Jesus follower. I shouldn't say that, but I feel so good when it's not me. <laughs> but it's the worst when it is you, and they pull you over, and, and, and the, the officer's getting out, and you're so frustrated, and then they're coming up to the window. And, and of course, in that moment when the officer says, uh, you know you were doing 55 and a 45, you're like, oh, no, actually, officer, I was doing 58, and I would appreciate a fine. No! No! 
nobody's doing that. Nobody's admitting that. You're, you're, you're trying to put a spin on it however you can to get out of this ticket, aren't you? Like, all right, what can I think of? Uh, well, you know, I just, I just went to Quick Trip and inflated my tires. I mean, they must be overinflated. That's why I was going so fast. When you know you're guilty, like you know you did it and you broke the law and you know what's coming. But there's no better feeling, is there, than, than when the police officer lets you off with a warning. That is, a, come on, he shows you a little mercy in that moment. Do you not, are you not just a little lighter in your step the rest of your day? Like you're telling everybody, I got a warning, woohoo! I mean, you're just so, you feel like, man, the load has been lifted off of me. Like this is a, this is a picture of us in Jesus that we, we are condemned. We are, we are guilty. We broke God's law, and I am guilty of it, but Jesus stepped into the picture, and he gives us mercy even when we don't deserve it. Come on, tell somebody next to you, that's good news. That is good news. I don't deserve it. He gives it to me anyway. Forgiveness and and hope and mercy are available to any person who will put their faith in Jesus. In fact, Paul says in verse 2, he says, and because you belong to him. Like, that is is gold right there. I belong to him. Like, think about that for a moment. After what you've done, after the sin, after the shame, even people have rejected you, even the weight of it that's come upon you. Paul Paul says we, we belong to him. Listen, if you're here today for the first time or you are feeling like an outsider, I don't belong here. You all got it all together. <laughs> That's funny. Because uh, we don't. But it feels that way and you feel like I, if people knew and they, they would not want me here. I don't belong. But let me tell you today, you belong. You belong here. This is your home. You were never meant to live outside of the family of God. You were birthed to be in the family of God. You belong. Come on, say that with me. I belong. I belong. We all belong. He says, because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So Paul here is he's just, he's telling us how powerful sin is, that, it's, that it, is, it enslaves us. It's this cruel taskmaster that eventually leads to death. Now, come on, I don't think when we hear that, some of us are like, really? Really? I mean, come on, I understand that it's going to lead to regret. Oh, man, I wish I hadn't done that. I understand that it's going to lead to a, whoops, <laughs> whoopsie-daisy, shouldn't have done that. But I mean, seriously, like death, like we don't really believe that. But the truth is, is those of us who have experienced it, sin is, is destructive. It is destructive, but it's also deceptive. It's very, very deceptive. It's very, very enticing. It's very alluring. It it, it draws us in. If it wasn't enticing, if it wasn't alluring, it it would not, none of us would do it because sin looks good. Come on, tell somebody right now, sin looks pretty good. Come on. I can't believe I'm saying this in church. Yes, sin, sin's pretty good for a season, for a season, it's alluring. It, 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 it kind of has this Houdini effect to it that it's, it's, it's deceptive. 
it's, it's like this. It's like being on an elevator. You ever been on an elevator alone? Um, guys, you could probably relate to this better than ladies can, but I mean, you're on an elevator alone and you're just standing there and all of a sudden, you know, you, lunch catches up with you and you're like, you're like, oh, whew, I'm feeling a little bit gassy. Oh, goodness me. And you're like, oh man, okay, all right, okay. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, I am alone. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> and then you're like, oh no. Oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no, 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 no. And then about that time, bing, doors open, four people are getting on. You're like, oh, hey, ha, guilt, condemnation, shame, regret. It's not your floor, but you're getting off anyway. Some of you are like, did he just use that as an illustration for sin? He did. He did. I can't believe he did. That's one of the best illustrations I've ever heard of sin. Now that, he hit the nail on the head. Thank you. I don't know if he should have shared it, but <laughs> sin is deceptive. It's, it's, it's enticing. It overpromises and under delivers. Sin always dis- comes disguised as, as something, something good and then pulls the rug out from underneath you like, Sin, sin never shows up as a wrecked marriage. Sin just shows up as an innocent click on the internet. Yeah, I mean, my marriage is, we're not doing that great in that department anyway. You know, this kind of helps spice up marriage a little bit, you know, or at least take care of me a little bit, you know, and help. And sin, like, never shows up as a lost job. You know, sin shows up. Sin shows up as a little, just a little fudge on the spreadsheet. You know, I mean, it's not, I mean, it's not like I didn't, I mean, kind of, you know, I tweak it just a little bit. I mean, this company's got hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, they got millions of dollars. They're not ever going to miss this. As hard as I work, I mean, they're not even paying me enough anyway. It's not that big a deal. Sin is enticing. It's alluring. It draws us in. It over promises and under delivers. Sin never shows up as an addiction. You know, sin shows up, a fun Friday night party. That's just fun, just kicking it back with the guys, the ladies. We're just, that's just, I mean, it's just one time. It's just one time. Ain't that, come on, ain't that big a deal? Just one time. That, that's how sin is. Sin comes disguised and, 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 and it twists us up and it ends up leaving us broken and it leads to death. I'd like for you to write this down. Sin, sin put it this way, sin is a life that leads to death. Sin is a life that leads to death, but Jesus' death leads to life. Sin is a life that leads to death, but Jesus' death leads to life. Like, the, the, the only way that, that sin can be broken in our lives is by a higher power, by something more powerful. And that more powerful force in our lives has a name, and his name is, church what? Jesus, that's his name. That's, that's our hope. And so Paul describes it this way. He talks about in verse 3, he says, The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. Now, 
you may not be familiar with the Old Testament and law and sacrifices and what is all this? I don't know what he's even talking about here. Let me, let me just kind of catch up to speed here. When he talks about the law of Moses, it can't save us and the weakness of our sinful nature. God, here's the thing. God set up the law as a moral standard. Okay, like this is how it would be good for you to, to live. The law is good. Come on, tell three people right now. The law is good. The law is not bad. The law is, is good. Like thou shalt not kill, pretty good idea. You know, thou shalt not covet the guy in the Volvo, pretty good idea, okay? I mean, the law in itself is good, but, but the law is powerless. The law, ha- the law has no ability to save you or to save me from, from my sin. It, it, it can't do it. It's just the law. All the law can do is reveal my sin. And it's pretty good at, at doing that. And when it reveals our sin, so because of that, what happens is we end up trapped. I'm trapped in my guilt. I'm trapped in my shame. I'm trapped in condemnation. But then Paul says this, so God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have, and in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us. Can I get an amen? That's good news. He gave his son as a sacrifice for our sins. And he did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us. So I think we all understand this. The law, law, law requires justice, right? It doesn't matter what the crime is. There, there, if, if there is a law, there, there needs to be a form of justice. You break a law, there's consequences for what you do, whether you, you rob a ha- house or you, you know, steal out of a little box and buy some bubble gum, it, do, it doesn't matter, you know, or, or you, know, you know, we all understand this even as parents, like, you know, the punishment fitting the crime and there's got to be a, a, a punish. Somebody's got to pay. Like your kid gets out of line, they do something, you're like, what? Go to your room, thus saith the law of mom and dad. Okay, I mean, we all understand law. And punishment, that with every law, there's got to be some kind of justice. And so in the Old Testament, what we see, if, if you're not familiar with how they did in the Old Testament, is the Old Testament, because of the, the law and the moral law, there had to be a sacrifice. There had to be a sacrifice, so they bring an animal sacrifice. And so once a year, on the Day of Atonement, they would bring these sacrifices, and, and the priests would sacrifice for the people for the forgiveness of their sin. But what we see that Paul's trying to get said here is that the sacrifice always fell short, and it had to be repeated over and over again because the sacrifice could not take away the sins of the people. And so they would sin, sacrifice, sin, sacrifice, sin, sacrifice, and repeated this process over and over again. Like, this is why Jesus came. If you've ever wondered, why did Jesus came? This is why he came. He was the perfect man. He's the only one who lived a perfect life. He's the only one who fulfilled every law perfectly. Like there's, there's not just 10 laws, by the way. There's over 600 of them that the people were being oppressed by. And, and in this moment, the Jewish people, in the Jewish Christians in the church in Rome were trying to get the non-Jewish people to, you need to obey all 600 of these laws. You need to do these laws. And they're like, but we're supposed to be saved by grace. And, and Paul comes, steps in and he says, listen, trying to do that over and over, you're not under the old system anymore. Jesus came. He's the only perfect man. He's the only one who kept the law perfectly. 
And he was the perfect sacrifice. And here's the good news today. On the cross, Jesus condemned sin and overcame it and put it to death once and for all. Oh, that's a good place to say amen. That is some good news. One man for all mankind. One time for all time. His grace for my guilt. This is what Jesus did. This is who he is. And I I love what Paul says at the end of chapter 8, all the way down in verse 37. He says, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. You know, next week we're going to be talking about how I am loved by the Father. Today I know we're talking about I am saved by the Son, but we have to remember too that we're not just saved by the Son, but we're also loved by Jesus. See, what he did, he did willingly. So that's part of the problem with the sacrifices is those animals were not doing it willingly. There had to be a willing sacrifice. And so God, the father, comes to his son and asks him if he will give his life sacrificially, and Jesus does it willingly. Now, as a father, I understand this because I got, I got three sons, and, I'm, and my three sons, I have not mowed my yard in like two decades. It's just awesome. Have have a lot of children, and you will never do chores again, okay? So um, that's not why to have children. I'm kidding. So, but I have three kids, and I have three boys, and all three of my boys have mowed the yard, and I haven't had to mow it for decades. And guess what? When they didn't mow the yard, and they weren't willing to mow the yard, what do you think I did? Get out there and mow the yard. Like, go do it like now. I don't care if you don't want to. And they go out and they mow the yard, right? God, the Father, did not say, I don't care if you don't want to go, you're going. No, that would have been an unwilling sacrifice. But Jesus, it says, he loved us. In other words, God, the Father's like, hey, my children, they need a perfect sacrifice, and there's only one way to get this done. And it's like the son says, I know. Like it says he was slain before the foundations of the world like he, he, he always knew. He knew that day was coming, the perfect day in this moment when he would come, and he said, I'm gonna go. Like, think about the power of that love for you. Think, think, about, think about the things that you, you've done, and, and Jesus could have said, go for that? I ain't going for that. <laughs> you gotta do better than that. I ain't going for that. No, I want you to go and, and, and die for, for them. That's, that's an unbelievable love. And he came and he died so that that guilt and that shame and that condemnation could be lifted off of you. Like for some of you, you're, you're here and you're, you're, you're living in this grave and it's just dark. And, and what I want to help you to see today is that 2,000 years ago, that stone was, was rolled away. It's been rolled away for two thousand years and all you got to do is step out into the light like he was resurrected and he stepped out of the grave so that I could step out of my grave so I could step out of my condemnation I could step out of my shame and some of you look out there and you're like I can't go out into the light not with what's on me that's the spirit of condemnation that's the enemy that wants to keep you down in that and God says I want to lift you out of that today you can you can get your swag back You can have confidence. You can have an assurance that I am saved by the Son. And I know for some of you, your your story is probably like mine, that you maybe even have been raised in the church like I was, and 
I, I remember my moment of salvation three decades ago. And what kept me from being saved and what kept me here in this tomb was this feeling that I was a failure. And every time I tried to step out of the tomb, I failed. And then I, so I just go back because I, I, I can't do that. I, you, you, got, you don't know how desperately I wanted to be like you. You know, you guys that just conquer it all. Which I realize is a big lie because we all struggle. But I was you. I had that feeling like nobody else struggled. Nobody, everybody else was, was winning and nobody else ever, ever struggled with sin. And so I would just go back. I was like, man, I, I just, I love, I want to, God, but I just, I, I just keep messing up. And I, I just don't want to mess up anymore. And I don't want to, I just, I remember, I remember thinking, man, God, I just don't want to let you down. I don't want to let you down. I let enough people down. I don't want to let you down. And maybe that's you today. You just feel like, man, if I step out, I'm, I'm just going to fail again. Hey, welcome to the party. Welcome to the family. Because we all fail. The difference is when you're walking with Jesus, he helps lift you back up again. Man, I've been walking and stumbling and tripping, and Jesus has been pulling me back up for over 30 years. I walk a little bit, I get a little better at it, I get my pace going, and then sometimes I stumble. And when I fall, he's right there to pick me back up again. And I say to myself, I'm never going back to that condemnation. I'm never going back to that guilt and that shame. So what is it that God wants to do in you today? I'm gonna pray here in just a moment. And I'm, and I'm just telling you, instantly some of you are going to get free. Instantly you are going to be set free by faith. I, I don't know if it's something from your past. It might be something from decades ago. It might be something from a couple years ago, something that you did, and it just continues to haunt you. And, and God says, today, I want you to walk out of that grave. I want the guilt, the shame, and the con- There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus that shame and that guilt and that condemnation is gonna come off of you here in just a moment. For some of you, you have a pattern right now of a sin that keeps habitually tripping you up. And you're like, man, I'm trying and I keep failing, I'm trying and I keep failing and you're falling into self-hatred. Maybe it's a secret sin and nobody knows about it but you and you're like, guess what? Today, you're gonna get free. Today, you're gonna get free. You're gonna surrender that. You're gonna get rid of that. God's gonna come in and he's gonna help you give the power, the power you need of Jesus in you to overcome that. And you're gonna start walking out of it. Some of you, you're not a follower of Jesus or maybe you've you've followed him, but it's been a long time since you've been walking with Jesus. I want you to know that you do not have to live with guilt and shame anymore. My story can be your story. You step into a life with Jesus and you let him walk with you. 